Hey everyone, Tom here, Alpha Metallica, here with just a quick intro because stupidly I seem to have pulled the mic out for the first three or four minutes of this episode. Uh, so I came back to the episode and it didn't match up with the runtime and I figure that's the reason why. So shout out to Bob, unfortunately those minutes are lost to Metalla time but we'll uh, we'll get back into the big episode before we do. Um, please follow the show at MetallicaPod, please get in touch with me MetallicaPod at gmail.com. I want to start getting more correspondence, more emails at the top of the show. So I figured a way we could do that would be to bring your opinion in, along with mine and the guest and whoever else. So yeah, please let us know whatever you think of the upcoming song, which I'll let you know every episode. So the next song, at the time of us uploading this episode, and I haven't recorded the episode yet, will be For Whom the Bell Tolls. So any anecdotes, any impressions, anything you love, anything you hate, any memories, any recollections, any sort of nostalgia or, you know... uh, commonplace uh, affectations that you have for this song let me know via email metallicapod at gmail.com uh, of course if you want to get on the show get in touch with me there as well and uh yeah itunes patreon all that good stuff so i believe if, if my memory serves right in terms of fixer we'd sort of discussed a little bit about how mythic how powerful the song is for a lot of people how maybe i wasn't predisposed to that shock horror uh talk a little bit about the jamming as well at the start the sort of slow wah build up and those sort of far off dinosaurs in a triassic valley sort of you know i can't really do a rendition there very accurately but you know what i'm getting at so we got into that i think i discussed that i felt the intro didn't deserve its length because it crescendos into sort of a a riff that's just an inversion of the intro riff and isn't that interesting personally for me but it is a matter of taste and i think um Bob countered this argument by saying it's sort of the riff you can, you know, the whole song's built around and it has a very, very sort of powerful, otherworldly structure to it. So, uh, yeah, let's jump back into the conversation. Obviously, I don't introduce Robert here, but he was the guy that I had on when we did our load reload exploration. One of my favorite episodes, actually. Such a knowledgeable guy, such a good dude. We had a great chat. And this fixer discussion was no different. So, yeah, thank you, everyone. Apologies about the technical difficulties here. Let's jump right back into the episode. I think, it, it, like Cthulhu, it's got this anchor that goes throughout mm-hmm. it, this sort of thing. Even Kirk Solo plays a little bit to this riff in the breaks sure. and stuff, and, you know, you know, harking back. And, um, uh, yeah, just for me, it's not as ear-catching, I suppose, but I I respect the theatricality, you know, the different mm-hmm. areas that it's going for. I, I love the, the invocation of voodoo throughout, uh, lyrically. Yeah, and, you know, I was actually looking at... Um... In preparation, I was kind of digging through some of my old magazines, and there was there was an, an article. I swear it was in So Wet magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I dug out, and I thought it was in there, and I, apparently, maybe my old eyes missed it. I don't know. Um, but it was um, it was a, like the Reload issue when um, Reload was finally released, and they had interviews with all the bands. Stefan Shirazi did, you know, sort yeah. of a individual thing, and James was talking about the song and. He said um, the song Fixer was pretty sparse, and um, but it had some particularly evil tones in it, and the word voodoo kept coming up in my head. So I started looking up voodoo shit a little more. Doing research doesn't necessarily help, though. In the end, you're going to write whatever words come out and sound cool. And see, then he says, so voodoo dolls and pins started to figure into it. You know, people getting get jabbed by something every day. Things aren't right, or when things are going right, fuck, there's another pin in your head. And nothing goes your way all the time, and that's just life, my friend. <laughs> you know, so yeah, 
but yeah, the voodoo awesome uh, voodoo aspect is cool. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting for him, for him to work that in there, and um, you know, the song does have some fun movements as well. I, d- I don't know some of the melodic phrasing for me again um, isn't doesn't doesn't capture me, and um, I'm not too much of a fan. I'm feeling very negative on this episode, <laughs> but I suppose I've got to be honest. I'm not too much of a fan of the. Um, how would you describe this? The sort of the the arpeggios that play on top of the preverse that are sort of dripping, and they're sort of they're mixed oddly. And I know they're done purposely for that way to give a sort of disen you know, sort of thing there. But um, you know what I mean? That sort of clash sonically. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I totally see that. I mean, I could see, um, especially if if somebody like. Um, if somebody wasn't on board with load or if they were kind of tepid with load and then, you know, reload comes about and here's the final song they've set through the whole record. And I mean, they've really gone the whole gamut of reload where, you know, you've got, you know, full on B bender twangy guitars on unforgiven two. And then you've got, um, you know, uh, low man's lyric at one point, And then you get to this. And I mean, like I said, you're either all in or you're just like, man, I'm checking out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And that's all good. And what, what is it that you love about fix them? I mean, what is it about this song that you can't get enough of? I, I mean, you know, it, it's it, ironically, it's that jammy aspect to it, that, that riff to me is just so loose. And, and if you look back, <clears throat> excuse me, I know we talked, um, on the last time we talked, um, a lot, a lot of the the jams that they would do um, on the the poor touring me tour at the beginning of the the, the shows or before the encores, and they would jam on fixer a little bit um, sometimes. But uh, for me, that was really the pinnacle of their jammy nature. Like a lot of people would say, the same thing with Outlaw Torn, which you know that to me is right up there next to fixer as well. Um, but I think that that looseness and that greasy riff and all that stuff that comes into fixer, I, I think was them at the, the top of their game with that, that kind of jammy thing. And then after the solo, when they go into the little jam, um, you know, which I think was kind of like the jams that they would do on fixer live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, I think you either love it or you hate it. I mean, personally, I do love that, that part. And to me, that was sort of like the pinnacle of them jamming, you know, on, on like being a jammy band, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean, but they, I don't, I don't know if Metallica, a sort of giant jam band in that sense. I'm right. thinking of bands like I don't know. I'm not. I, I'm saying this obscure band, but I just discovered them the other week. Uh, Camel. I don't know if you've heard of Camel. Mm, no. Um, they're from the '70s, sort of British guitar-led prog. They mostly did instrumental albums, sort of based on novels and stuff. Mm. And they're really, they're really good. Actually, I really enjoyed listening to them. I urge people to check them out. They're not too. The songs aren't too long or too complicated. They're just good guitar work. But anyway, sort of, you know, those sort of things that go on exploratory. Like I'm not saying Metallica should be like the Grateful Dead or Fish or anything right. like that. But uh, you know, in one section, for example, we get a key change. So we get the main riff and then the sort of the sliding guitar goes higher and that's fine to me, but I just don't know how interesting that is on multiple listens. I prefer something that's got a bit more soul, a bit more adventure, I suppose. Sure, sure. What, what about the lyrics? The lyrics to me is, you know, like we said last time we talked, um, you know, I'm not, you know, musically inclined. So I would dive into the lyrics and really connect to the lyrics and, and you know, I was just kind of looking over the lyrics again real quick and kind of highlighting some some things that stand out for me. And especially when the um, when this song came out, you know, I was a sophomore in high school and um, things had kind of changed a little bit. Like I was kind of, you know, freshman year, I was riding high and I was kind of not necessarily the shit, but, you know, I had a lot of cool friends and stuff. And then yeah. something changed sophomore year and I kind of find myself by myself. Right. And um, 
you know, some of the lyrics in here, and I could kind of relate to that where, like I was just saying a little bit ago, where it's like, you know, everything's going good and ah, shit, I got a pin in me, you know? <laughs> and, and obviously too, if you look into like the chorus, um, you know, uh, tell me, can you hear what father's done? Uh, fix this hole in the mother's son. It's, I mean, to me, I, I see that totally about James's childhood and oh, his yeah. dad and the family. Um, but then also when he says um, in the second verse, break the spell or become the doll, um, to me that says be an individual, break the cycle of failure or pain or whatever it is, redundancy, you know, be, be an individual and break out of that mold. Um, and then also when he, in the chorus when he says cut, the, cut this rope and let us run, you know, the same kind of vibe on that I think too. We're just the toys in the hands of another. Yeah, is, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, incredibly. Yeah, being a doll, being a, a conduit, uh, you know, <laughs> being a victim. You, you're right. Yeah, it's um, it's evocative stuff here, and the, him repeating to fall in love with life again as well. Um, really yeah. wrenching that for all it's worth. Is is that you know? And I was thinking about that. Is this the first Metallica song that mentions the word love? Maybe you're right. Actually, maybe maybe they say they love headbanging in an early Killer Mall song. Yeah, but, like yeah. I, I was I was kind of racking my brain trying to figure that out, and I, I think it's definitely the first yeah. one that that actually has the phrase "fall in love." Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, I think <laughs> love might be in say anger, like they say love is control or something like that. Right, right. Um, but but yeah, I think to fall in love is uh, you know more more of a, a agreeable turn of phrase there. Um, yeah, let us know, listeners. Has, has love been used before? Maybe it has. I mean, just because it's so ubiquitous in songwriting, you would imagine it would have some sort of uh, some sort of impact there. But um, yeah, I mean, the song's length. A lot of Reload is guilty for this sort of over-egging to a certain extent. Do you think it, do you think it justifies the eight minutes or so? Um, I personally, I do because um, I think it's it, it goes along the ride. Now, you know, um, if you look at some of the Saint Anger material and oh, some yeah. of that stuff, just goes on and on it's like all right that to me is the total inverse of of where fixer lives in terms of being long um i think with fixer the the length of the song adds to the epicness of it Mm. um where it it doesn't feel long to me when i listen to it um but i I guess maybe if if you're more you know like if you're more musically inclined and you you pick up on the the way the riff works or you know that 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 sort of um the phrasing and stuff maybe it does sound repetitive but to me it never felt very long i mean certainly not as long as you know outlaw torn mm-hmm. yeah i don't want to be trashing fixer <laughs> openly in the marketplace sure. I, I appreciate you know it means a lot to a lot of people but you know it's an established meme on alpha metallica now that i don't really like reload and load so we we, we, we could just uh, we can just go with that um you know all in all, though, I think it's a it's a good showing for the band of uh, you know who they were as an outfit at this time and what they were yeah. capable of doing and you know where they wanted to take things. Is have you got any uh, closing thoughts on Fixer? Well, I, I you know I really wish that they had played it live. Yeah, um, what is that about? Do you reckon? Why is it eluded them? You know, the funny thing is, you you see in interviews, even to this day, James still says it's one of his favorite songs. Mm. And there was an interview with Kirk and a guitar magazine couple two, three years ago, it was definitely before hardwired came out. Um, and he was talking about some of the songs that they wanted to play live. Um, and when they eventually go back on proper touring, um, he said that they were going to play fixer. And of course this was three or four years ago. Um, but you know, personally, I think if they were going to play it, um, it would have been definitely on that 98 summer tour or retouring me, um, or into the S&M 99 area. Right. Yeah, I could, see, were, I could see it on S&M, definitely. 
Yeah, but I mean, they, that's where they really started to bring out that jam um, before Die Down My Darling on the, the Garage Remains the Same tour in 99. Um, and, uh, you know, I was also looking at um, the Fan Can 2 video um, from the Met Club, the uh, week and a half in the life of Metallica. And before the Tuck to Yuck Tuck gig in 1995, um, the segment on the video, they, they're jamming it during soundcheck. And it sort of is like intercut with, you know, band documentary footage of the show. But they're definitely jamming the song and it sounds like it was going all the way through with, with no vocals. Um, so, I mean, they could have played it, you know, it's like they, they had an arrangement to play it live. Um, I still hold out hope that one day they'll play it, but, yeah. you know, who knows? It, it would Why still, not? It would awesome. Yeah, like, I, I, I've said this before on the show, like... I think they should do some sort of reload thing that they've done with the Black Album, you know what I mean? Like 30 years or whatever it would be um, yeah. of reload and, and look back at that era and play tracks that... Because, you know, it's a huge album. So yeah, bringing out I mean, tracks, you know. Personally, too, when when they did the 30th anniversary shows and they dusted off or, you know, premiered Carpe Diem Baby, I mean, I would have preferred Fixer, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, Carpe Diem Baby, great song. Gr- Grammy so Award good. winning. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just the the... Again, that that was a little clunky that performance, but I mean, maybe 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 it's better that they haven't played Fixer because we we can kind of dream <laughs> that it'll it would sound amazing, and maybe it won't sound amazing if they played it. <laughs> well, um, let us know in the comments what you think about Fixer as well. And as I say, get in touch with me, metallicapod@gmail.com, for anything, including what do you think about for whom the bell tolls. I will want to start reading out listener emails as we're reviewing the song with the guest as well. So uh, get in touch with me there; It'd be great to hear from you. Um, of course, you've seen the band quite a few times, haven't you? Uh, quite regularly. Yeah, yeah um, tw- uh, 25 was uh, this past summer 25. in Chicago. Wow. I mean, what a spoiler, Richie. So where does that span from then? Uh, it spans from uh, the Load Tour 1997, um, March 7th in Philadelphia. Hmm. And, um, you know, pretty much from 97 to 2000, I mean, they were always, you know, coming to the New Jersey, New York, Philadelphia area. So I would go. Um, when I lived there, when I grew up, um, and then um, I actually traveled out here to Chicago to see them on the Summer Sanitarium 2003 show. Um, I was, had a long distance relationship with the woman who's now my wife, um, which is why I moved out here to Chicago. Um, so you know, I've seen them there. I think the furthest that I had gone was Woodstock '99 uh-huh. um, when I lived back on the East Coast. Um, but the furthest that I've traveled has been San Francisco for the second, uh, 30th anniversary show. Oh man, I can't believe you went to that. That's insane. (laughs) That, that was really a fluke that I went to that because I had said something to my wife like, oh, you know, Metallica's doing the 30th anniversary celebration thing. And she misunderstood me and thought that I was, that it was just going to be like a tour and she's like, oh, whatever, you know? And then when they announced the shows and I was like, oh shit. And I was really kind of down in the dumps, like, man, I'm not going to these shows. And I basically said, I'm like, they're going to take all their songs, put them in a box, throw the box up in the air, and that'll be the songs that they play. And she was like, holy shit. She's like, can you still get tickets? I'm like, no. (laughs) And I managed to find somebody who let me be their plus one. And I was like, all right, cool. And was I was literally in San Francisco for 48 hours, if that. Oh, my God. Like, I came in, did a little sightseeing, did the show the next day, and then flew home. (laughs) I mean, is that the best show you've seen? You know, it's funny because the, the when it comes to the best show, every time I see Metallica, yeah, that the current show tops the last show. Wow. And I mean, there's and 
for me on the St. Anger tour, um, we were pretty much always on the rail. And I mean, that was a sick tour to see just as it was. I think we saw five shows on that tour. Um, and then the Death Magnetic tour again was on the rail. I had my meet and greet at um, the third show I saw on that tour. But I only saw like five on that tour. And then, I mean, obviously, I think that the best one so far would be um, Lollapalooza in Chicago. I was on stage. And um, that was pretty freaking surreal. And I know a lot of people tend to turn their nose at the fans on stage thing. And my my opinion is if you were there, you would you would enjoy it and you wouldn't be scoffing and you know turning oh, yeah. your nose up to it. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're right there and James Hetfield comes up to you like he did to me during Fade to Black and he's singing the, you know, the whoa, whoa, whoa oh, like right in my face. It was like, what? <laughs> Uh, what's your favorite Metallica song? Uh, favorite Metallica song? You know, it, it. I hate to sound like Lars, but it depends on the time of day. Yeah, or, yeah, I get that. Like, um, Fade to Black is definitely up there. Um, Fixer, Outlaw Torn, Damage Incorporated. If oh. I want to get kind of nutty and you know, rip faces off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, off the new record, I love um, Now That We're Dead, Spit Out the Bone. Um, even until it sleeps, I, I'm a yeah. big fan. We were just watching the video the other night, um, last night actually on uh, MTV Classic. I was going through. Um, oh right. They've been playing metal, like little blocks of metal songs, and they tend to repeat. But um, when uh, the Until It Sleeps video came on, I was like, "All right, we're, we're going to leave this on." And my wife was like, "She's like, what did you think of this when it first came out?" I was like, "I loved it. I still love it." Yeah. Even yeah. the makeup. I'm like, "Yeah, I loved it." Yeah, we covered it on the uh, music video series that we do on the show with Sam, and I, I, we both loved it as well. It's like, you know, something just really odd, something out of like uh, Hieronymus Bosch or something. Oh, totally, with the with that that thing that's eating the, the red yeah. people right out of the Garden of Earthly Delights. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um that that Hieronymus Bosch stuff as well, just on a quick tangent, like I can't believe it's from like the thirteen hundreds. Like you go back and it's some of the trippiest shit ever. Right? I just yeah. It's crazy. But it bends my mind. So um favorite album, favorite metallic album? Favorite album, this one, you know, somebody actually asked me this on Facebook last night, and um, I'd say Ride the Lightning is definitely up there. Um, Load is up there, too. Um, Hardwired would be up there just because it's so new, and I'm kind of, you know, still living with it and digesting it. Um, but I might have to cheat and say Live Shit, Binge, and Purge. Okay. Just because that's everything, and that when that came out, and I, I like, listened to that thing like on repeat ad nauseum to the point where I think any, any fan can relate where you can even do James's banter, you know, right. during when you're listening along and, you know, singing along, you do all the banter in between songs too. Uh, what about your um, favorite member of the band? Definitely James. Um, I think, you know, it's, but I will say to Kirk, me and Kirk, when, when I had my meet and greet, we were talking about horror stuff right? Um, and horror horror movie conventions and stuff. But um, Kirk is, you know, definitely, I love the, the horror aspect of that. But also Lars. Lars was, was really cool at the meet and greet, and I have a lot of respect for him. But, um, but James, for sure, he just, you know, his lyrics, um, you know, they, they really speak to me. And, and I think... For me, too, um, when it comes to James, when he was talking about um, Black Sabbath's impact on him at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction for Black Sabbath, and he said how um, Sabbath's riffs you know, cracked the shell that he was stuck in, and, and the, the gloomy riffs spoke the feelings that he couldn't put words to, 
I think that's how James's lyrics have worked for me, especially when I was in high school and feeling sort of awkward and trying to find myself and, you know, not to get too deep here, but, yeah. you know, it, it definitely, it, it put a voice to maybe what I was feeling, but I couldn't put a voice to, you know? Yeah. Uh, so last question would be if you were to do a podcast like this, Alphatallic, or about another band, what's one you could confidently do it on? Oh man, I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this every episode of, of uh, Alpha Metallica that I listen to. <laughs> and, you know, part of me wants to say Thin Lizzy because I, uh, I do love Thin Lizzy. Yeah. But it's like I, I'm, I would say I'm more amateur when it comes to Thin Lizzy, aside from like Live and Dangerous. Do, do you think... know? Do you know Black Rose? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Because I think mean, it's those sort of. I, I, I agree. Thin Lizzy podcast would be fun, but it's those sort of four middle albums: Johnny the Fox, Jailbreak. They're the yeah. real good ones to talk about. Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of their stuff where it, you know, comes on my iPod, and I have it all on my iPod, but it'll come on, and I'll have to look at it and be like, "Oh, what is this song?" You know? Yeah. But I, I think I could probably do a better job with the Misfits. Mm, that'd be cool. Um, you know, and I know because you know, in some of the some of the uh, episodes, whether it was it was Alpha Metallica or the um, uh, Metal Up Your Podcast guys, um, definitely Ethan's a big Misfits fan, yes. and you know, I find myself sitting there wanting to chime in, you know, when they're talking that stuff, and. You know, again, I, I think I'm more. I would be like Lars when he moved to LA, when he, you know, he wasn't even ranked in the top ten on his block in terms of tennis. Yeah. That's how I feel like as a Misfits fan. It's like, you know, I know the stuff, but there's bigger Misfits fans than I know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, but um, I think I could, I could do a good that, job with that. You yeah, know, that sounds good. And let me know uh, when you do your Die Die My Darling episode. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll hop on for that. But uh, but yeah, yeah, I think everyone feels like that as fans, though. Like, I never felt that I was like a big, Metall- like, like a, you know, real knowledgeable Metallica fan. And right. do, but doing this show has humbled me even more. Like, you know, you just experience all these people who in turn will be humbled by each other. There's no sort yeah. of God fan. But even like today, I did an episode with John, uh, John Stern that we sort of went through the so what issues. And there's just so mm-hmm. much information in there that I never knew. And I thought like I knew a lot. So, you know, it's always about learning. Oh, definitely. And, you know, that was the thing, too, when I got into Metallica. It was sort of, you know, um, people were, my, my friends and, you know, classmates were into, you know, they could tell you the rosters and and statistics of, you know, ex-baseball player or football player or basketball player. And I'm like, what? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And for me, when I got into Metallica, it was like my thing that I could be, you know, and almost like I kind of like held a a guard over and i mean people even called me metallica bob in high school you know um and actually speaking of fixer too um there's a um fixer became sort of my my calling card in high school mm. i had um i would doodle the, the the three x's from the um from the booklet the reload booklet and the little voodoo doll that james drew in the lyrics section mm. and i would doodle that on everything and we even had um senior year we we were able to go out to this little courtyard and we had a picnic table out there that we just graffitied the hell out of and i drew first i put the scary guy on there brought the stencil and did that on like the bench nice. and then i put the little voodoo doll and the three x's in white um white out like a white out pen and uh, I, f- I found a picture of it i'm going to put it on my instagram uh so people can see that because that was just like that was my little calling card you know That's crazy yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that that'll be, that'll be yeah. interesting uh, well, I guess finally, how do people find you? Do you have any projects online, stuff like that? Actually, since the last time we... Um, oh, yeah, you got your horror podcast, haven't you? Yeah, I, yeah. I started my horror podcast. And, you know, it's definitely... Um, I, I think it's it's probably, if it was related to Metallica, it would be probably the Whiskey Audition tape. Like, right. very 
very low, <laughs> lo-fi. Um, but you know, we, we've got, uh, I think I have like five episodes and I've been kind of toying, you know, I kind of borrowed a little bit of what you do with this one and a little bit of what the metal of your podcast mm-hmm. guys do. And in terms of flow, but, um, it's, it's going pretty well. And actually I'm going to record later today. I hope with, um, with my cousin who I want to be my sort of co-host and, uh, get him on board because he, he really got me into the horror stuff. So that was like, I need him, you know, to be there as well. And it works better when I have somebody to talk to, because I've done a couple of solo episodes and it's like, man, it was boring. You know? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, normally when I do a solo episode, it's not like I'm talking for the whole thing. I'm doing sort of five, 10 minute chunks because otherwise yeah. you can just, yeah, get a bit fatigued. Right. So what's the podcast called and what is it exactly um, about? Yeah, the podcast is, um, it's basically born from my uh, my constriction pictures um uh blog that i that i was doing that um, we mentioned the last time we talked and i just figured you know what man i'm tired of writing and it's easier to talk <laughs> and um, i just started it up and it's all about horror movies it's basically um with each episode you know i, I try to have people you know contact me and say hey i want to talk come on and talk about this movie like you know like you do um but since i don't have like a list it's kind of difficult to just throw stuff out there. And, you know, like I, I tried to get somebody, um, last weekend, uh, a good friend of mine, who's actually a really good Metallica friend as well, um, to come on and talk about Blackula from the seventies. And, um, we were going to do it, but unfortunately we had a uh, close friend pass away. So I had a funeral last Sunday and it was just, you know, now I just need to reschedule that one. But, um, you know, we had, uh, we had Jennifer Rubin from a nightmare on Elm street three. Um, she's, uh, she's a good show. friend. Right. Yeah, she um, she was actually staying with us, so she was like, "Yeah, I'll record an episode with you," and um, that was kind of funny. And I'm still like very lo-fi in terms of recording it. Um, so like, she actually skyped in from her phone, like out in my hallway, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but it worked. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, um, that's good to hear, yeah. man. We'll put the links in the description below, and you know, yeah. obviously, people will uh, be able to check it out there. So please get in touch with us. Finally, again, uh, bells. Let us know what you think about that song via email, metallicabodygym.com. We'll read that out on the next episode that will be out next week. Um, Patreon, iTunes, all that good stuff. But Rob, as ever, it's been great to have you on, man. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Awesome. Take care. All right. Um, I'll cut off the recording there, but that was great. Thank you again, man. Yeah. Awesome. So, so much fun, bro. Yeah, that was really good. So this will be out, uh, well, tomorrow morning, actually. So cool. this will be the next new episode. So I'll, um, I'll edit it sort of this afternoon and send you a link uh, when it's ready to go. But... Cheers again, man. Um, and if you can Cheers. send me um, the links to your podcast or whatever, I'll obviously put all that in the description. So just yeah. uh, just let me know. But it's good to hear that you've done a podcast, man. It's really good. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, you know, after listening to you guys, um, you know, like literally, that's my Monday morning ritual. As I listen to Alpha Metallica <laughs> and then I do Metal Up Your Podcast, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and then there was another horror podcast that I was kind of listening to, but I was like, ah, you know, and I'm like, man, I got something to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And they, like like you say with the Skype thing, it's so easy to do and to make it, you know, quite easy to listen to. And if, yeah. and then it's just you can do whatever you want, really, when you work that out. So, yeah, yeah totally. Um, best of luck with it. And then um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll cover a song later down the years as well. We'll definitely, yeah, definitely sure. do another one. But um, thanks again, man. Yeah. All right. Take care. Cheers, Rob.